Hey, but my name is John Turner, or JT. Uh, I'm one of the fellows here at Grace. And uh, yeah, it has been awesome uh, to get to be a part of this church, to get to be a fellow, uh, to get to serve you guys, and to get to do this. And really, what I want to talk about this morning, what I want to start with you guys, is I want to talk about weight loss. I want to talk about a little bit of weight loss this morning. Hopefully I won't get in trouble for this, but I'm using my time up here to talk about this. But I don't know if you guys have found yourself in this situation like me really kind of often. I, uh, maybe it'll be a random uh, time of the day or late at night, and there's just these, these commercials on TV that you really can't believe they're actual commercials. It's like somebody spent time and money to actually produce these things, and they're just kind of ridiculous. But a lot of times, for me, when I have those moments, it's I'm watching something, and this lady comes on TV, and she's like, yes, this pill, if you take this pill, and you don't change anything about what you do, eating-wise, working out-wise, you will look like this. And they show this picture like this ripped person. You're like, oh, totally. That is a great idea, and that definitely works. And... Uh, I remember one of them, uh, this, this one product they had, this like ab belt thing. I remember for the longest time, even I found myself, I was like, really, if I like, just like strap that thing on, it like vibrates and I'm going to have like an eight pack? And I was like, okay, no, snap out of it. I mean, that thing is stupid. It's silly. Uh, but, but crazily, people buy that stuff. Like they make millions of dollars off those things. And I wanted to share with you guys a couple. Uh, here's about five. I found a list of five of these products uh, that... Um, are real, that people actually bought into these things uh, and thought that they were going to uh, help them lose weight. This first one is this thing called a dumbbell phone. And I wish I could show you these pictures. This little cute girl, but she's got a phone. She's picking up, and there's like a big dumbbell on, on connected to it. And the idea is that uh, it's a creative thing. That they're 10-pound weight you attach to your phone, so when you lift it up and down all day long, you'll get a little extra workout in. You know, just it's the little things that count. Uh, there's this. It's called diet soap. Just sit back in the tub, relax, and wash your fat away. They claim you can achieve a 20% reduction in body fat by just rubbing yourself with some soap in the bathtub. Uh, This one, diet glasses. These glasses are designed to make food appear less appealing than it would without the glare of blue-tinted lenses. And apparently there's some psychology and science. You know, science can kind of back all that stuff up, and it's scientific. And this one is good, too. This is just... There's actually some fascinating part to this, and it could work, but it's just... Silly to me, and the idea is it's this thing called small bite, and basically you go get surgery, and they make it to where like your gums can't go past this point. And the idea is that you won't put more food in your mouth, but I'm pretty sure everyone can find a way to do that. You just take smaller bites and eat just as much food as you normally do. But they claim that this thing was just a, a brilliant idea. Um, but there's, there's a lot of these, and really the reason I, I start with that, we're not going to talk about weight loss, shocker, I know y'all thought I was being serious, but the reason I, I talk about that is that we, there's, a, there's a real problem with, the, with weight in our country, and really everywhere, but specifically our country, and, and people all the time feel like they want to look differently, and they, they want to lose weight, and they see these things on TV, and they're like, oh, this could actually work, well, you know, this could be the thing that really helps me. And, and we sit there and we're like, okay, that's stupid because what does it take? What does it take to actually lose weight and get in the shape that you want to get into? And it, it takes what? Eating right and working out. Like that is the recipe and there's really no way around it. But we love to find shortcuts. We love to find little things that will make, that will make what we want more attainable by less amount of work. You know? And, and, and it's with that thought this morning that what I really want to talk about is prayer. And 
uh, follow with me here. But, you know, I think that if we were honest, if we raised our hands, if, if I asked this question, if we were honest about it, I think we, we would all, all feel this way at some point or really maybe often. But, the, you know, the, the prayer life that you desire to have or the intimacy that you, require, that you desire to have with the Lord um, continually or more consistently in your prayer life, that you'd say, you know, I've experienced a lot of frustration with that. Um, that, you know, at, at times I feel like what I desire and, and what I want it to look like and the time that I want to spend with him and the actuality of it is, is really kind of disconnected. And uh, it's that this morning that I wanted, as we're, as we're going through the Psalms this summer, um, I really, the Psalms, you know, as Kyle talked about worship the first week, and uh, it's, it's, it's a lot of prayer. It's a lot of prayer throughout the psalm. And it's songs to God, and, and there's all different forms of prayer in that, but it, it's them communicating and talking with God, and that's what prayer is. And I really want to take a step back, and, and this morning, again, I want to talk about why it is hard. And I kind of have five things laid out for, for why prayer is hard and why it is a struggle. Um, and maybe you guys have, you know, maybe not experienced frustration in this. Maybe y'all, y'all feel like y'all have killed it. You know, maybe you feel like this is something that, you know, it comes real easy for you. And, and the time that you put in and, and, and your intimacy with the Lord and your prayer life is, is wonderful. And that's awesome. Praise God. But I think that all of us would say at moments we have felt this way. And, and I really want to talk about that. Okay. And so... Um, first off, like I said, really in the, in the, in the Bible, the definition of prayer, there, there's, no, there's no Bible verse you can turn to that's like, here's the definition of prayer. It's just communicating with God. It's communicating, communing with God. And again, there's a lot of different facets to that. There's a lot of different um, parts of prayer. And uh, throughout the New Testament, we see so many demands and commands to, to pray. Colossians 4.2 says, devote yourselves to prayer, being watchful and thankful. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray continually. Um, Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. Um, and so we, we have these, this charge, we have this, this frame of reference that, um, that we know that prayer is important. But it's hard. And the first thing I, w- I want to say is the first, I got five things. And the first is that the reason I think we, we, we struggle and the reason we, we uh, have a hard time with this is because it takes time and it takes discipline. That prayer takes time and it takes discipline. And let's have a moment of confession here. Raise your hands with me if you've used some spark notes before. Yeah? Okay. I talked to some high schoolers and some youth kids about this, and I, I wasn't sure if spark notes was still a thing. Uh, and surprisingly, not surprisingly, actually, they were all like, just cheered for it. They were like, absolutely, it's a thing. It is the most important thing. And, but seriously, like, you know, I had to confess with you guys this morning. High school, spark notes was a huge help for me. And why do we use spark notes? We, we, de- we definitely don't use it because it is the, the better, it is the, uh, the more effective method of studying or reading a book. If, if you, if you want to go, you know, if a teacher's giving you a test on a book or giving you a quiz, first off, teachers nowadays, and even when we were in high school, are smart enough. They know you're probably looking at Spark, spark Notes, so they're going to find the random little characters that's not covered in there, and that's where they're really going to get you. And it's like you're taking these tests, and I don't know, it's just silly. But the teachers know what's up. But in all seriousness, to be, to be prepared, to be ready for those things, the best method is to read the book, but why don't we do that? Why do we, why do we go to things like Spark Notes? And it's because it's, it's more effective to us because it doesn't require more time. We don't actually have to sit and read this book that maybe we were or we're not interested in, you know, but we have more important things to do. 
that we want to put our time elsewhere. And so we'll take the shortcut. And really that goes for, for anything. We love to find the shortcut. Proverbs 13.4 says, The soul of the sluggard craves and gets nothing, while the soul of the diligent is richly supplied. And, and, and it's the idea there that you know, the, the, the sluggard is someone that has all these desires and they want all these things and they want their life to look a certain way and they want their disciplines and the way that they spend their mornings and the way they spend their days. They want it to look a certain way. They got the desire, but they get nothing. Why, it's the one who's diligent, the one who is disciplined, the one who fights and, 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 and does the hard work that actually gets satisfied. And uh, I like this quote a lot, but it's this, that there are no shortcuts to any place worth going. And, you know, I think for us that to have a real connected, intimate prayer life with the Lord is the most place worth going for us. And there, there aren't any shortcuts there. The, the reality is that it does take for you sometimes to get up out of your bed earlier than you want to. You know, or it does take you to get on your knees before you get into bed at night, before just laying down because you're tired or offering up a, offering up a half-hearted prayer as you lay in bed falling asleep. You know, just so that you can check it off the list. But there's no shortcut to, to intimacy with the Lord in that area. And, um, you know, it, it kind of made me think a little bit about in high school, I, uh, I played golf. So, you know, golf was a really big deal in high school. In my school, we had pep rallies, you know, and stuff. And we wore our golf jerseys around school and everyone. I'm totally kidding. Golf was <laughs> not cool. It's still not cool. My Girlfriend laughs at me all the time because I played golf in high school. But uh, in high school, I, you know, surprisingly, I didn't lift weights. I didn't spend much time in the weight room. Uh, you know, and all my friends who played football went there, putting in the time two a day, squatting, doing all these things. I'm like, you guys are dumb. Just come play golf. We don't have to do any of that. We just go hit a golf ball around, and I've never touched a weight in my life. And so my senior year of high school, uh, my youth pastor, he was like, hey, let's spend some time two days a week. Hopefully it wasn't he, like, looked at me and was like, man, I really need to get this guy in the gym. I think he just wanted to spend some quality time with me. And so he was like, hey, two days a week, let's go. On, on Monday, Wednesdays, you and me, we'll go lift weights and just hang out. And it was awesome. I loved it. We just talked about life and we spent time together. But <clears throat> as I spent time for the first time in my life lifting weights, you know, after you do it for a little while, after you get past some of the soreness, you know, you begin to see a little bit of the results. You know, here I am, a senior in high school, and I like, see the first vein pop up in my arm, and I'm like, oh, that's nice. I like, want to keep doing this. <laughs> I'm just being honest with you guys. I, I had some, it was a vein, I also was feeling a little vein, I had some vein moments there. But really though, as I started to see a little bit of the result, you know, it gives you some more motivation to do it. And so those two days a week became four days a week, and it started to change the things I would put into my body. I wouldn't drink sodas as much, you know, I'd change what I ate a little bit, because there's something about it that we really, it makes us feel good, and we really like seeing those results and feeling healthier, whatever it may be. And, and the thing is, as, as I thought about prayer often, that it is hard. It is hard to put in the time that we want to put in and that God asks for us to put in with him on our knees quietly. And it does take time, and, it, and it's, it's hard to do that. But what happens often, I feel like, is that we don't know what the struggle is to really fight and to, to, to fight for that time with the Lord enough to start to see the results that come as we spend the time. That even in the moments where you feel like you're speaking to the four corners of the wall, you know, as, as we're disciplined and as we know that this is, this is worth it, I think we miss out a lot of times on seeing some of the joy, seeing some of the change that God does, can do in our hearts and the people around us, the things that he can do in the situations around us, the purpose, the purpose that we can have in the smallest of things as we spend more time with the Lord. 
And I think a lot of times we, we, we quit before we can see some of those things, before we can even get some more motivation that he, by his spirit, provides. And I think it's because of that. I think because time and discipline, that a lot of times we can lack both of those things. And so I think, that, I think that's the first reason. I think, I think it's why we, we have a little bit of a hard time with it, that it takes some time and it takes some discipline. The second is this. It requires humility. I remember the first time that I like, genuinely prayed in my life. It's very shallow. I was not really a Christian, but I remember I was like in a freshman in high school, and this, I'm sticking with the theme of spark notes, and y'all are going to know now that I was not a very prepared high schooler, but my freshman year, I remember this big test I was taking, and I was just was not ready. And I sat there, and I, uh, you know, as class starts on a test day, you know, teacher makes you put everything up, and it's kind of quiet for a few minutes as she's getting everything ready to start passing it out. And I sat there, and in that moment of quietness is the first time where I was like, oh, man, I am in trouble here. Like, this test is about to own me. And I just sat there, and I was like, God, if you're there, if you just help me with this test, I'll do anything. I'll give my life. Like, I'll do anything you want me to do. I mean, just like how silly of a thought now as I think about that. But, that, I mean, that was genuine prayer. I was like, God, if you just help me pass, help me make a good grade, and I got you. I'll do whatever you need me to do for you, God. Um, or I don't know if you guys have seen uh, the movie Unbroken. Have you guys seen that? Yeah? Has anybody read the book? It's a good book. Uh, just fast forward. I do read books now. It's not quite like high school. And Unbroken was one of them I, I read. Actually, I didn't finish the, the last part of it. But I read the biggest chunk of it. <laughs> and one of my, seriously, one of the, my favorite parts of that book, and they do show it in the movie a little bit, but the book is so interesting. But it's when the, uh, Louis... This guy who's, if you haven't seen it, he's, uh, he's fighting in the war and his, they're, they're um, I forget the plane, the name of it now, but their plane crashes in the Pacific Ocean and literally only him and two other guys survive and they're on this little raft with no food in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. I think they went for like some 46 days um, living out there and he, and he made it. But I love when he starts to describe this scene as they spend time out in the sea where at nighttime these sharks would just come up and just just circle around this little raft and they would bump it or they'd bump under it. I mean, they literally had to keep all of their limbs and they had to just stay tightly connected inside of that little raft or else they were going to get eaten alive by a shark. But as, as I read that, I mean, you're just like so enthralled and you cannot believe that this stuff is happening. But I love a moment they, 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 they get to in that book where Louis was not a believer and he had no interest in God. But in that moment, in that ship, I mean, in that little, in that little boat, he, he saw his helplessness. And he cried out to God for the first time in his life. And it was a little more uh, genuine than my prayer in, in school. But it was the same idea. You know, God, if you help me, if you save me here, then I'll give my life to you. You know, he saw that he was in need and that he was helpless. And, and see, in, in both of those situations, the silly one and the one from Unbroken, is, is both the same thing, is that there's something in us that for those who would say that I have no interest in God even, if you guys thought about maybe y'all's stories, the first time you genuinely crying out to God, a lot of times it always comes from a place of need. And that there's something designed in us because God created us that, that those who don't even know the first thing about him in a moment of helplessness would say, God, they, they, they would pray and say, hey, God, help me. If you're there, help me. And you see, it's, it's a sense of need that we really feel in that moment that, that makes that happen. And the reality is, is that's what causes us to step into a relationship with the Lord. But I think what happens a lot of times is that we guys begin to, to walk in our faith. And I mean, somehow we, we feel much more independent and much more 
le- like less dependent on God. Like we feel like we kind of have it together. We lose sometimes that sense of need. And it's this humility here that I think at times makes us hard to pray, that, that sense of need in the good moments, not just the hard moments. But I mean, that's our fuel to get on our knees, to spend time with the Lord, to see that whether we realize it or not, we are always in need, that we are always desperate. And you know, God wanting to change in us a little bit of that, that idea that it's not just he wants to go to us, we, we go to him more uh, in our desperate moments, that even in the good times that we see how desperate we are and how much we are in need. But we do, we, we live in a world and we live around, I mean, even in a Christian community a lot of times that we, uh, we, we, we hide our issues. You know, we, we feel like it's better to act like we've got it together. And the world definitely tells you like, hey, everything's good. Like you're perfect just how you are and everything's great. And just act like you got, you know, what's the quote? Fake it till you make it. And I, I think a lot of times it's, it's just being built that, you know, we're, we're trying to be told that we don't have this great need when we do. And, and to really, to, to spend more time to, to, to find the satisfaction that God calls us to in prayer, a lot of times it's this need that's missing. It's, it's the humility that God wants us to have. In 1 Peter 5, 6, and 7, it says this, Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. How awesome of a verse is that? That God literally is commanding you, Hey, man, when you're anxious, when you got a lot on your plate, give it to me. And that's what God commands us. That is so good that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And it's in this losing of pride. It's in this losing of self. It's in this vulnerability of saying, you know what? I don't have it all together. And, and almost having some pride in that, realizing that I know Jesus does. You know? And, and this is just a, a side note, but I, I'm sure you guys have experienced this. The, the most life change the most deep community that I've ever experienced is when there is vulnerability is when people do admit that you know what I am struggling in this area but but there's something in us that just makes us want to hide that we don't want people we don't want to be exposed and really that is in the same way that that's the fuel in a community to experience more of more deepness for for God to really do things in you to change things it's the same with prayer realizing here that um that we, we are always dependent and always in need there. And like I said, this, this part really is our fuel for prayer because um, our humility allows us to see that we're always in need, not just when things are tough. The third is here, and I think this may be one of the biggest battles that we will face, that we're already kind of just in a losing battle against, and it's this. The third point is that it takes stillness and it takes quietness. And this is the easiest point for me to, to share with you guys, and it's this. I mean, as you leave here, as you're driving in your car, and the first stoplight that you hit, look around at everyone else. What are they doing? They're looking at their phone. It's the first thing we do. And it, 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 it is just bombarded and all around us now. We, we are so overstimulated. We have so much opportunity to always be entertained. Like the moments of stillness and quietness are, are very short and in between in, in our lives. And uh, I love this psalm, but Psalm 4610 says, Be still and know that I am God. And it's so simple yet so profound and beautiful. And it's, it's not the idea that, you know, just be still and know that I'm God. And you just sit there and you're like, know that, I'm, know that he's God. Like, and just be still. But it's the idea that as we still ourselves, that as we quiet ourselves, that as we block out some of this noise and this entertainment and these things that are all around us, as we give God moments of just quietness, 
that that's when he begins to speak in us. That's when he begins to work and do things. You know, we begin to sit and reflect on who God is um, and that stillness. But it's a battle. I mean, I, I don't know about you guys. It's, it's really easy to fall into the habit of just as you roll in bed at night, as your charger's connected right to your bedside table with your phone, that, you know, you're laying there in bed and, you know, it's just easy to look at Instagram, look at Twitter, look at Facebook, or just read things, you know, or we wake up. I mean, I, I would be interested to know, maybe I'm alone in this at some times, uh, but I'd be interested to know you guys, like, as y'all wake up, what's the first thing y'all, y'all go to? And, and I feel like for most people nowadays, it's, it's a phone. That we are so overstimulated. That we have, we have limited God to really work in our lives. To really hear him. To really respond to him. Um, to really allow things to sink in. And uh, this is, you know, kind of a, a goofy example of this. But I, I worked at a summer camp last summer. It was Lady Lodge Youth Camp. I don't know if any of you guys have heard of it, but it's a beautiful place uh, in the hill country in Kerrville. And I had these, these younger kids, and I had this kid named David. And David was a little special. Um, I, I forget exactly what he had, but I loved him. He was like this guy that I would wake up in the morning, and he would have like these crazy facts for you as soon as you wake up. Just like the most random things. And so there was a day with David, <laughs> the, the other thing with him is that he could not drink just regular water. Like, he had to have those little lemonade packets. And we legitimately had, like, a crisis on our hand when he was down to his last three. Um, where he had, we had to call his mom because he legitimately, he's convinced that he cannot drink regular water. And so, with David, I love getting to spend some time with him. And me and two other of the little campers, one morning I woke him up early and we went on this little hike. And we got out to this place, got to this edge where there's a cross and there's a look over the hill country and it's awesome. And, you know, these guys, I think we're about probably 9, 10, 11, around that age. And I, I kind of wanted to just, you know, see where, these, see where these guys are at. I wanted to see if we could have a real moment here. You know, could we get, could we get real with each other for a minute? And so I just kind of talked to them a little bit. This was later in camp, and I was like, all right, guys, we're going to pick up a rock. You all probably all done this or heard of this at camp. It's, it's kind of can be a common thing. But, you know, we're going to pick up a rock, and I want you guys to think about maybe something that you're— um, scared or something that you are not looking forward to in going home or something in your own life or, or just something that is something you, you struggle with or that you are, are anxious about. And I want us to spend a moment and think about what that thing is. I want us to pray and I want us to throw that off and believe that God's got it and he's going to take care of it and that we can step back home and the things that God has done here at camp, we can step forward. So David, he throws it off the edge and the other two kids are done and walking back. And so we're, we're kind of turning around walking, and David just walks back and he grabs another rock. And he throws it off. But it wasn't like he was throwing rocks. It was like having a serious moment. And with all kids that it was David, I was like, this is a big deal here. I wonder what's going on in his head. And so I was like, hey, David, what's going on? He's like, man, I wish that I could do this every day. And I was like, well, you can. I mean, it's called prayer. Like, you can spend time with God, and you can, you can give him these things. And we talked for a minute, and I was like, I mean, David, if you could, like, pray for one thing, if there's one thing, you know, if God could really answer, what would it be? And I'm, like, locked in here. I'm like, here it is. Here's the moment with David. And David goes, I wish that I could drink unflavored water. <laughs> I was like, oh, my God. poor kid. 
Like that, that is his thing. That is his struggles. Just the fact that he can't drink unflavored water. And no joke, we ended up, he ran out of his water and we had like a 20 minute hike down the hill to, and we had to go straight to the games, the game field. And he literally for a moment, when we got there, he was sitting on the bench and he was, he was right before he started crying, quote unquote, he says, I wish that I could, I wish that I could cry so I could drink my tears. (laughs) And uh, there's a lot of good moments with him, but (laughs) I I, I say all that to say with, with, with David and, and a real with, in a real way with, with us too, that a lot of times it's, it's some of these things, it's some of this quietness and stillness that we don't spend with the Lord, that we're so distracted, that we're so here focused, that, you know, I'm going to give David a pass here, but for us talking about being college kids, being adults, we're, we're so distracted that a lot of times the things that we're going to God with and the things that, we're, that we are, are, are focused on, that God wants our eyes lift up so much more than these little things. But it takes this. It takes the stillness. It takes the quietness. And I would challenge you guys to really think what it is. What it is that distracts you. What it is that you go to uh, at the end of a day that you wake up to first. What it is that you just kind of shut off with. And and that's fine when you have those moments. But if that's really what's filling your quietness and stillness that that God is asking you and telling you, hey, look, I speak in the quiet moments. Be still and know that I'm God. And what is it that distracts you and, and what can you do about it? You know, maybe it's taking your phone and, and moving it in a place where it's a little bit farther away that you can't just run to it at night or in the morning. And so the, it takes stillness and quietness is number three. The fourth, it takes waiting. And, and this is real quick here is I think often we go to God as, as if he's kind of a genie. You know, we go to, we go to God and we, we, we pray kind of a wish list at times. And the, the reality is, is that God, in Luke 18, 1, God tells this parable about this persistent widow. And he says in the beginning that this parable was so that they would not lose hope and that they would keep praying always. That they would pray and not lose hope. And then he tells this parable, but he kind of gives you the reason for the parable right there. And it was that. He's that easy, easily, we, he knows that we are quick to give up. That we will lose hope in prayer as God, as God doesn't answer things right away or as we don't get exactly what we expect. And, and I think God's designed that in two ways. And, and the first is that one, one is that some of our things that we're praying with, it's not in line with God. That I've heard it you know, put this way, that it's often the greatest blessing that God doesn't answer all of our prayers. Because a lot of times the things that we are praying with are, are, are so much little, littler than what God would have for us. Like God is our Father in heaven who knows what we need and knows what's best for us. And a lot of times we don't, and he does. And so sometimes that is the waiting. Sometimes that is the unansweredness of prayers. But the other thing I think is this. I think that he wants to change our focus from being about the answer of our prayers. You know, think about it this way. If we went to God like we do often as a, as a genie, and we went to him like, hey, these are the things I'm praying through. And if God just gave us these things as we walked away often, we, we would really be more focused on the gifts that he's giving than the one who gives the gifts. And God knows that about us. And so it's in this waiting sometimes that he wants us to take our focus off the, the things that we're asking for to realize that what we need more of is him. That even the people for, for, for physical things or for, for sick people that we're praying for, that, you know, not only do they need to be healed in that way, they need more, more, more of Jesus, more of his presence. And the same was true for us on, on a lot of things that we go to, and I think it's in that waiting. Isaiah forty thirty one says this, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up like wings on eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And Numbers 9 8 says, And Moses said to them, Wait, that I may hear what the Lord will command concerning you. That, that it takes waiting, but we don't, we don't like to wait. Just like with the silence and the being over-entertained, that uh, we're in a hurry. 
But we don't have time to wait. That as God doesn't respond in the way that we want him to respond, that we give up. That we stop praying for things. Uh, and, and as I'm thinking about this up here, again, I, I don't know what y'all's family situation, y'all's life is like with your brothers and sisters, your moms or dads. or you know. But I, I have some situation with my family, with, with my sisters even. That they don't know the Lord. But not only that, like, there's just a lot of mess. And there's a lot of hurt. And there's a lot of pain. And it is sad to really think about how often I lose hope in praying for them. Because I've done it so much. And I mean, how selfish. But I think, again, like, we're quick to do that. Whereas God wants us to be people who are persistent in prayer, realizing that it's in the waiting a lot of times that he's doing the greatest work. And and Garth Brooks, he says it best. Quote, unquote. Sometimes I thank God for unanswered prayers. Remember when you're talking to the man upstairs, that just because he doesn't answer doesn't mean he don't care. It's not grammatically correct. Some of God's greatest gifts are unanswered prayers. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's that idea there, too, that, you know, it's, our, it's in our unanswered prayers. It's in our waiting that God does some of his greatest work. That, and a good question that I have for you guys this morning is, kind of asked myself, is that if y'all look back on this week, here we are at the end of a week on a Sunday morning, if y'all look back at y'all's week and God answered your prayers this week, what would you have? Would you have more things? Would you, would you, or would you have more of his presence in your life or more of him? You know, or would there, would there be less issues or problems in the world or just more or less issues personally just for you? Or really, if you looked at your prayer life this week and you answered everything, would you have nothing because you really haven't spent time praying? It takes waiting, and it's hard for us. And the last point is this, and I'll wrap it up with the challenge for you guys. And the last point is this, is that it requires obedience. That to have intimacy, to have a thriving prayer life, to, to be connected with the Lord, it takes obedience in our prayers. Not just in the how we pray, but as we leave that place and as we live our lives, it takes obedience to, to continue to pray. John Bunyan, side note, my middle name is Bunyan, which for the longest time and when you're in elementary school is not something you're proud of. I would not have got up on a stage and announced that to everyone. I actually used to lie to everyone and tell that my middle name was Brian because I was so embarrassed of my middle name being Bunyan. But I learned, I think, hopefully this is where my name came from. There was a guy named John Bunyan who was a theologian and he wrote a book called The Pilgrim's Progress. And uh, maybe you guys have heard of it, maybe you haven't. But in his Bible, I love this. He wrote a quote and it says this, this book will either keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. That this book will either keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. And he wrote that in his Bible because the point is that as we, as we walk and as we live life, that we're either going to, to, to screw up in sin, which we will, and it's going to keep us from, from seeking him or it's going to push us towards him. And this book is going to, to, to help us to live in light of who we are and who he is. But the idea is, is, is the same with church, the same with prayer. You know, if, if we're just living in sin in some areas, then we're not going to be as adamant to wake up on a Sunday morning and say, man, I, I'm going to walk in a church. I'm going to walk in a community. These people know the things that I'm giving into constantly and that I'm okay with. And I'm going to be exposed. No, I mean, a lot of times you're just going to stay at home. And the same is true is, is with prayer is that as, as we really seek God and as we seek intimacy with him and as we lay before him 
uh, our requests in our lives, that if our lives outside of that place is not obedient to him, that if we know we're continuing to give in areas that he's calling us to greater, then our prayer life is going to die because we're not going to feel intimate with him. We're not going to really want to feel intimate with him. And, you know, praise, as I, as I wrap up here, I, I just, I praise that as our response in those, some of those things is to, to step away, to, to, to take a step back from God, you know, to, to lose a little bit of the heart behind uh, our, our walk with him. I mean, praise God that was not his response in sending Jesus, that, that praise him that he actually sent him closer as we turned away. You know, that he gave us the real fuel, the real grace to pursue him, even when we feel like we are missing it in these areas and in other areas. And really, uh, I, I, I think that prayer is the truest measure of our faith. And so if you're not listening to anything I'm saying this morning, which is totally fine, I want you guys to listen to this, all right? So track with me. I think prayer, our prayer lives, how you guys spend your time alone with no one else around you, I think our prayer life is the most uh, truish measure of our faith and of our vitality spiritually with the Lord because we have nothing to show for it when we walk away tangibly. We are people who love to be productive and have things to show for it and, and, and to do a lot of things. But as we spend time alone on our knees with the Lord, as you walk away, you have nothing to show for it. And, and truthfully, a lot of us, as we spend time in the morning, as we attempt to spend time with the Lord, we can't give God more than five minutes because we feel like we have a to-do list and we have things to get after. And, and God is trying to, to recorrect and, and show us that this is the greatest thing that you could do. That God has given us the greatest tool as, as, as sons and daughters of his to co-labor with him in life and in the world. That you spending more time on your knees praying for that friend is far more important than you just spending time with him. I promise you. Because in the end, you're not going to be the one who can change your life. It's Jesus. It's God and the Holy Spirit. But we don't spend time with them. And that goes just not beyond, you know, people we know that aren't saved, but the issues and the things in the world. And the th- God wants you to labor with him, and it's in prayer that he's asked you to do it, not in just all you're doing. And we, 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 have, a, we, we have a hard time with that. And that's why I think it's a, the truest measure of our faith, because uh, we, we have nothing, absolutely nothing at times, tangibly to walk away with to show someone, hey, this is all the time I've been spending in prayer. I can prove it to you. Or whatever it may be. And uh, as I wrap up here, and we're going to sing a couple more songs. Um, I'm not going to sing. That would not be good. But uh, uh, the first thing is this. I think that uh, I love that Kyle did this the first week as he talked about worship. I think, honestly, we just need to confess. We need to confess and be honest with God with, with where we're at. And that maybe we, we, we have this desire to, to spend more time with the Lord. Uh, in, in intimate communion, prayer, communicating with him, just, just you and him. Maybe you have that desire, uh, and I just feel like we need to confess that we're missing it in this area. And, and maybe you don't even feel that much of a desire for it. And, and even just confessing that, I desire to desire this more, to confess and be honest. And then it's it, that, that we wouldn't be people who, who quit when things get hard but that we would be fueled by God's grace to press into things that's hard because he's designed things that way. That you guys, to, to be the people y'all want to be for, for God, to, to be who God has called you to be, that it's not easy. And it's not just in prayer life, whatever it may be, whatever you feel like is, is 
is the hard thing for you to, to feel like you're hitting it, to, to be more intimate with him, that it's hard, and that's for a reason, and that's where we're finding, that's where things happen, that we wouldn't give up, that we would press in. And uh, Kyle said this at the, the first or second week, um, as he, he mentioned this, and I, and I love it, and I just pray that we would be people who spend more time talking with God than we do about him. And I think that's the, the thing we're most, um, the, the most dangerous thing for us is that we can say a lot of things about God and we can spend time talking about him, but do, but do you spend time with him? And you can't do it anywhere else but just with him in prayer. And I pray that we would be that way. So I'm going to pray for us. We're going to sing a couple more songs. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you um, for your word. Thank you that you sent Jesus, uh, Lord, that when we, um, our, our response uh, in our struggles and in our missing it is to often just, just turn, um, to take a step back, um, Lord, but you call us to take a step in because that's the example laid for us in Jesus, that you sent him uh, when we didn't care for him at all, Lord. I just pray by your grace that you would give us a vision, that you would give us uh, more desire, that you would teach us what it is to pray with you, Lord, to spend time with you, to, to know you intimately, Lord, um, that we live in a world and we live in a time where people need to know the living God, and we know him. And it's in our prayer lives, it's in our intimate moments with him, it's in spending time that we know you more and that we're filled up to go do that and to share that and to live it out for people in a world that needs it, that is broken and hurting for it, God. And so I just pray that you would help us be men and women um, who spend more time talking with you than we do about you and that we would, uh, we would fight the hard fight, Lord, and that we would finish well. We thank you, we love you, we trust you, we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen.